Thanks, Bree. Hmm. What did you say on that Instagram story? Hey, guys. Hey. Did you guys watch that story that Carl did before camp on the Instagram? Yeah. Hey, guys. We're going to get zings out. Jeez, I feel like that right now after you're praying for me. Um, yeah. Gonna get zings on it. We once prayed for a guy called Gary. He lived on the streets and he was an alcoholic. And when, when he encountered the spirit, he fell and he smacked the floor. And he laid and he said, I went, I went, I went. He said, Beep. I'm so zings on it. That's where it comes from. Um, it's recording, so I can't, rem- I can't remember my mind is being renewed. Sure, 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 sure. Oh, jeez, Josh, and it's next door. I'll ask Josh about it. No, but then he took his shirt off and went and sat on the balcony and had a cigarette. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. I must actually change the name here. I said WCC. I don't know. Has anyone like said, oh, what, like, spoken about what church you part of in the last like few weeks and like what church you part of? Like, Woodstock. Uh, um, Signal. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still getting used to it. Signal was called Woodstock. Yeah. That's the first reference. Yeah. But um, I was thinking about this name change that we've um, adopted, and um, obviously, biblically, name changes are always such significant moments in people's lives. I mean, the whole Old Testament is just full with encounter, name change, encounter, name change. And I just felt prophetically that there's something really significant for us in just taking on this new name. And I know that um, it's part of just embracing what God's calling us to and also just in going on a journey and saying, like, God, you know, what are we, what are we carrying for the city? And, you know, you know, looking for somewhere to meet that we can expand into. But I also feel like prophetically there's something significant about a name change scripturally. And, um, you know, in the Bible, when you rename this... You know, Matt last week was talking about living from a place where your identity matches your destiny. You know, we talk a lot about identity, but, you know, actually living in that place where your identity and your destiny are lined up. And that's what happens in the Bible when people's names were changed. They were living in this, some of them were just living in like the wilderness or living and God comes and encounters them and gives them a new name. And that new name calls them out to a place where they start to live in the destiny of, of what God has over their lives. And I just felt like in that, even in this process of us adopting a new name, it's like we're saying, God, we feel like this is a new season for us. And as we rename ourselves, we align ourselves to our identity. And in aligning ourselves to our identity, we start to step into the destiny that He's got over us as a church. Make sense? Not that we weren't living it before, but there's just something in this transition where it's like the new name, the new identity allows us to actually say, we've got, a, we've got something that we carry that we want to give away for the city. You guys can say amen. Amen.
I really just want to encourage you guys to exercise your faith this morning um, as I speak, because I feel like it's a bit of a like prophetic provocation. Um, and I just feel like there's something about us where it's like it's time for us as a people to move into living in the fullness of who God's called us to be as individuals, but also as a, as a body and as a church. And there's something about actually, you know, Paul, I think Paul talks about it, like you can have a form of religion but deny its power. And we say, like, you'll be free, and we've got, like, we're so relaxed. You know, we're not religious. But actually, this, even your relaxed style can become a form of religiosity. Yeah. Even this form of church can become religious for us. And we can get to a point where it just becomes comfortable and nice and uh, predictable for us. And we live in a place where we actually remove ourselves from relying on the power of the Spirit. That was a good point. <laughs> Our way of doing church and the way that we meet, we can, it can become a form of religiosity for us, become a form of comfort. It, it can become a, a, a form of, you know, just something that we're used to and we can live with a form of spirituality or faith or religiosity but deny the power of the Spirit. And it can be nice to come, and I'm talking to myself here as well, it can be nice to come to church and see your mates and like, you know, encounter God and just be reset for the week. And we go out and we live and we come back, but where's the kingdom being shown? Where's the power of God actually evident in our lives? And then, you know, and I think that's what Paul was talking about, where, you know, we actually need to live lives where we rely on the power of the Spirit to bring His kingdom more and more in our lives, every day of our lives. And I feel for some of us, God just wants to say, you've got a message in you. Not, maybe not to necessarily preach or speak or verbalize in, like a, in this kind of way. But you've got a message. You've got a life, we all have a life message. And for some of us, I feel like God's saying, you've got a message in you. Start to actually um, take hold of that message and start to live it. Because we're called to be people who... Um, we carry the presence of God with us. We carry the kingdom. And some of us have been living under the words of the accuser for so long that it has become like a mother tongue to us. You know, the Bible says he's a deceiver. You know, when the enemy speaks, he lies. Because there's no truth in him. So when he speaks, he lies. And I feel like there's an impartation of the truth for us today. Not just truth as in, like, a message or a fact, but... Jesus said, I, I am the truth. The truth is a person. And when you have an encounter with truth himself, it just like realigns things in our lives. And I feel like for us, you know, we just need a, sometimes you just need a realignment and actually the, the truth of God to come and say, actually, this is who you are. Just start living in it. I love what N.T. Wright says. He, he talks about like righteousness and justice. And he says that the the justice of God is when God sets all things to right. When God like, makes everything right. Like the justice of God is actually coming to the earth and putting all things to right. And there's a sense of like when the kingdom comes, it just puts everything to right. And it's, and it's like God's actually said, no, but I've called you guys to set things to right. It's like the kingdom comes, but you guys are like, we are, the kingdom is within us. I love like Jesus said, the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is upon you. The kingdom is within you. The kingdom is at, in arm's reach. Like the kingdom is within us 
to set things right. And there's something where I just feel like the spirits are saying like, okay, now it's time for us to actually take hold of that and start to do it. Matthew 18.11 says, The Son of Man came to save that which was lost. Which is quite a... Which is, and we often just say, Yeah, the Son of Man, Jesus, came to save the lost. The lost sheep, the lost coin. Um, what else is lost? The lost son. Were there any other ones? Are there any other problems you missing? Lost keys. Lost keys. Lost cell phones. <laughs> the Son of Man came to save that which was lost. So it's not only the lost, but it's that which was lost. He actually came to... You know, some theologians say, Jesus came to redeem the entire cosmos. He came to set everything to right. What if the true picture of salvation, or, you know, sozo, saved, healed, delivered, looks like the whole earth being redeemed? What if we actually missed out on what Genesis 1 was saying, and actually our, our creation mandate was actually to, to go, go forth, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, and subdue doesn't look like getting to a point where half the ocean is filled with plastic straws, you know? There's something about, we, 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 got a, we got a part of it, but part of our mindset, like missed out, that actually all of the earth is to be saved. All of the earth is to be redeemed. And personally, that's like, I, I just felt like God saying, like, in our spheres of life, what's actually that part that's lost? If Jesus came to save that which was lost, what in our own lives does He want to come and redeem today? Personally? And what is God calling you to redeem? In your school, in your business, in your family, in your relationships. It's like you go into that situation and you say like, okay, God came to seek and save that which was lost. This system is broken. This place I'm in is in darkness, but God's called me to be in here. So how can I start to be the redemption of God where I am? Psalm 42, 1, an amazing verse that we, we probably all are familiar with it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell in it. And I love how the psalm says, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. It's like there's a fullness of the earth. There's the fullness when the kingdom comes that He's called us to redeem and live in. You know, you, you see, like, you just get a sense of, like, God, open my eyes to what it looks like to, like, life coming in its fullness. Jesus said, you know, I, I came to bring life and life in all its fullness, life in abundance. I love what Eric Johnson says. He says, we live with a Genesis 1 mandate in a Genesis 3 world with a Revelation 22 trajectory. So we live in Genesis 1 mandate. I'll talk about Genesis 1 now. In a Genesis 3 world, Genesis 3 is fallen. Adam and Eve fell, removed from the presence of God, lived in shame, with the Revelation 22 trajectory. So, with the, our sights on Revelation 22, all tongues, all tribes, all tears wiped away, everything redeemed, new heavens, new earth. So, we're living in the Genesis 3, in the broken, in the confused, in that place where people are full of sin and shame, with the Genesis 1 mandate, looking ahead to saying, one day, all, all tribes and tongues will be redeemed. And it's like God's saying, like, you guys get to play a part in it. How awesome. What does Genesis 1 say? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. And I love that he says, be fruitful. You know? 
It's like the nature of God is fruitfulness. Just like God is fruitful. He created trees that had fruits to give themselves away. So we love talking about being and, you know, just being shalom, the presence of God. But then he says multiply. And I love that because the kingdom always gives itself away. And I feel like that's the word that God's on. It's like, we talk about the kingdom, we like, we love your presence, we love your kingdom, but the kingdom always gives itself away. Don't you love how so many of Jesus' miracles were multiplication miracles? Like, like uh, a lot of them, he multiplied stuff. It was like the kingdom coming in like practical bread and meat is like multiplication. When you have five loaves and three fish, or I never remember which is five loaves, three loaves and five loaves. And you have 12 baskets of abundance and it's fed 5,000 men and they're usually more women than men in church, so it's probably over 10,000 people. Um, there's abundance. And the reason I feel like so many of Jesus' miracles were multiplication because the nature of the kingdom is multiplication. I'll, guys, I'll preach myself happy. I promise you, I'm enjoying this message. Um, the enemy will always try to convince ourselves, convince us to live from a place of lack because when we lose sight of heaven's reality that the kingdom always multiplies and has abundance, then we just live trying to keep everything to ourselves. Because the kingdom always gives itself away. And that's why the enemy always tries to come in and say, like, you don't have enough. Keep it for yourself. Just care about yourself. Just think about yourself. Like, don't worry about other people. Just make sure that you're okay. Because then when you're inward focused, you're actually not living in the kingdom mindset of actually, we just give it away. We give it away. I love Jesus. He just, you know, Jesus says, it's better for me to go away. Because then the Holy Spirit comes. Jesus was always about working himself out of a job. Because he was modeling that the kingdom actually comes and it gives itself a wash. There's a multiplication that Genesis 1 mandate when he said, be fruitful and multiply. You know, Isaiah chapter 9 says, um, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Um, how does the verse go? Um, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Of the increase. So his kingdom is actually measured in increase. Of the increase of his kingdom, of his government, of his rule, of his reign, his kingdom coming, his kingdom putting everything to right. There'll never be, a, there'll never be an end. So even when heaven comes, it's going to keep increasing. So we can choose to live our lives um, with the mindset of like, the kingdom of God is increasing. God, you've got to increase something in me. Because if your, your kingdom is increasing, it means there's more of it today than there was yesterday. So I should be every day just living in a little bit more of like seeing the kingdom of God come. Every day just seeing a little bit more of God like, okay, I know I've got issues to deal with, I know I'm human, I know there's grace, but there's more. And not more just because, like, oh, Lord, we want more. We want a full stadium. We, we want to have this weird, like, Christian, like, utopia. But no more because the kingdom of God is giving itself away. And, and as you give away, He'll give you more. And as you give away, He'll give you more. And I, I love that picture um, I spoke about in Ezekiel a few weeks ago. That as, this, as the river flows away from the temple, it gets deeper. And as it, it gets ankle deep, then knee deep, and then it's eventually this rushing river. And then the river goes into the sea, and it says it purifies and heals the waters of the sea. The further that the, the, the river goes away from the sanctuary, in the presence of, of God, the deeper it gets. 
that means the more that we give away, the more that we go, the more that we go and extend, like the more that we have, the more we have to give away. And eventually the river runs into the sea and the stagnant places become healed and the stagnant waters become redeemed. What are we doing to give ourselves away? What if true success looks like those around you succeeding and making ground? Maybe that's what true success looks like. I'll give you 30 seconds to think about who am I giving my life away to? Who am I pouring my life into? You know, the arm of God's got no back because we're always called to move forward. The kingdom always is moving towards others. And I think there's something where God just wants to like just realign us this morning. So actually, I've called you guys just to give it away. Just give it away. Acts 1.8 You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's like Jesus was saying to them, you'll go from where you are in the kingdom will expand to the ends of the earth. And like even at that time, the Gentiles hadn't even received like the gospel yet. And Jesus was saying, this gospel, this news, this kingdom is going to go to the ends of the earth. It's going to expand. And I love this, says, you'll receive power when the Spirit comes on you. And there's something, actually, when you start giving it away, it's like, geez, man, I need the Holy Spirit to come in and just like give me some power. Yeah. It's true. Effie? You'll be my witnesses. What, are, like, what, am I being, what am I witnessing in God that I'm going to tell others about? Like I love what did. What is God saying to me that I can give away? And not like going to someone at work and being like, weird religious Christian, like, brother, I've got a verse for you, and, um, you know. But actually being real, being yourself, being the authentic person that you are every day in the office, and actually just going and, and saying, I just felt like God had, like, I was praying for you and I just want to encourage you and, you know, there's something in us where the Bible says streams of living water. I don't know about you, but the way way I'm living, it's like, man, if I get a few drops (laughs) for people. The enemy has had a field day with many of us. Because we live a life that is manageable and comfortable and within our own abilities. And He's not called us to play it safe. He's not called us to live lives that do not reflect the depth of His love and the power of His kingdom breaking in. Our lives are to be those that reflect heaven on earth. You cannot live a self-centric life when the very nature of the kingdom is to go and extend to the ends of the earth. And it's just, I just love it, Terry. Like, the world today is just so self-centered. It's like, I don't want to see another selfie of your face somewhere. It's like, I know what your face looks like. It's, I love that you love yourself. You know, guys, I'm not against selfies. Take selfies, you know. Take selfies with other people. Because then it's more of a wifi, not a selfie. But I really feel like there's something that God's doing in... You know, I was listening to this message about this Australian guy called Mark Sayers. He's a genius. He's, he's a, he studies culture. And he just says, like, 
You know, there's something, the cracks are beginning to show in the nature of what the world is like today because we're starting to reap the fruits of a self-centered mindset and a human-centric um, way of doing life. Because people realize, like, it's not fulfilling. There's no depth to it. There's no life to it. And when you start living a Christ-centric life, it's, it's a whole lot more exciting than being self-centered and concerned with yourself. I promise you. And, um, you know, when Brett, on the camp, he did that thing with us about the circle. He said, like, divide your life into four quadrants and do, I think it was self, oh, I've got it here, self-life, resources, dreams, relationships. So draw a circle, four, self-life, like your soul care, your dreams, like what am I living for, your resources, your time, money, energy, and your relationships. And they said put a small circle in the middle and then say where are you living from? Where am I living in each of these areas of my life? What is the source that I'm living from? And I, I, I've got mine here, we did it like two Sundays ago in camp. And I realized like there's, there's a place where you can live from where you just like, I'm trying to like keep it all together. Eh? I'm like trying to manage my job, my relationships, and all these things, and I've got these fears, and I've got these insecurities, and I'm just trying to, you know. And it's like God just said to me, like, just like live from live from me. And there's a beautiful verse in Jeremiah, two, verse thirteen. If you've ever done sozo training, you would have come across it. And for me personally, this has been a profound verse over the last month or so. Jeremiah two thirteen. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And like when we were doing this exercise, I felt God just say, like, there's areas in your life where you've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. Just like sit and just think, like, I'm the source. I'm a source of life in your relationships. I'm a source of life in your resources. I'm the fountain of living water for your dreams. I'm the fountain of living water for your identity. And you know, it's so interesting, like, we can live from a place of, like, trying to be like the Israelites, just cutting out those cisterns, and I don't know about you guys, but I'm still topping up the cistern in the toilet with water from the shower. I don't know. Level 3B, what are we on? Water shedding. And um, cisterns are like, it's not a lack of place to live from. Yeah. Like the cistern on the top thing of the toilet. Flush it, got to fill it up. Then you got to clean it because it gets smelly from the shower and water. And then like, he says, you've hewed out cisterns for yourselves, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. I feel like that's how, sometimes how we live our lives. We try and just like, I'm just going to top it up with this, I'm going to top it up with that. And God's saying, like, I'm the fountain of living water. Just like, you have forsaken me. And God is saying, like, just come back to me. Live from a place of me. And that's, I think, what's happening in the world today. People have just gone out and there's all these cracked, broken systems and systems and people are trying to live from it. And it's like, they can't hold water. And he said, like, streams of living water will flow from within you because he is the fountain of living water. He is, the, he is living water itself. 
And um, I really felt for me that that uh, had a lot to do with the area of dreams. You know, so self-life resources, dreams, relationships. And I feel like God's just breathing life into dreams this morning. Because He's called us to, to be those who bring the life and the reality of this expanding, increasing kingdom to the earth. And you can't do that if you're just living without something bigger, without a dream, without a sense of destiny, without a sense of the call of God over your life. And um, I thought just, I just want to find the note I made. This is what God said to me. He said, you've not allowed yourself to dream for fear of disappointment. I've not called you to play it safe. You can trust me with your dreams. And if I'm honest, it's hard to live in that place of trusting God with the dreams if you've had some disappointment. And I know for myself over the last few years, it's just like, yes, I don't know God. I don't know if that's like going to happen. I'll keep, I'll keep going after you, but I, you know, I don't know if I can trust you with that dream. And God said, you can trust me with your dreams. Don't allow yourself to live in a place of disappointment where you don't allow yourself to dream. And it was amazing. I, I had coffee with a friend of mine, Lynn Swart, this past week, and I was just sharing some of this with her. She's an amazing prophetic woman. Um, I think she's in her 60s now. I call her the... I don't call her... She doesn't know this, but I... I in my mind, I call her like the fairy godmother of the Holy Spirit. And um, we were just talking about dreams, and she was like, and I was just telling her about this, what God's doing, and she's like, you know, God, is, God, God calls us to be dream catchers, not dream snatchers. The enemy wants to come and steal your dreams. And, we, and, it, and she was just t- telling me, and she was talking about Joseph, and she was saying like, just take this word of God and look for glimmers of hope. Just ask God when you have your dreams and you're just living there today. God, show me glimmers of hope. Show me glimmers of hope for your dreams. It's like really powerful. And then like, um, I had to leave. And then I checked my phone and uh, I got a message from a friend of mine um, who, uh, she's Russian in Beijing. And I, I spoke at the church um, in Beijing when we were there last year. And um, she sent me a message. Exact, I, I figured it out exactly at the time that I was talking to Lynn. Um, and she was saying, Dave, how are you guys? We just started a, day, uh, a healing school in Beijing. 22 people came. So thankful. It all started when you were here. But like all in like messages. And then at 5 to 3, her, her one message said, dreams come true, exclamation mark. Like, that's awesome. Here I am just talking about like God just igniting this thing in me of dreams, and I've got this amazing like, woman just like saying, like, just pursue your dreams. And I get a message from halfway across the world just saying, dreams come true. And um, there's something of like heaven just saying, actually, I've called you to be the dreamers of what the kingdom can look like on the face of the earth. And many of us, we haven't lived, I haven't lived with those dreams, you know. <coughs> Because hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And when your hope gets deferred, your heart can get sick. And when your heart's sick, you don't dream. As the message says, and as I heard Tim's story say this week, unrelenting disappointment leaves your heart sick. And some of us, it just feels like it's unrelenting. Eh? I've trusted God and just like setback after setback after setback after setback. 
And I just feel like God's just saying, the Spirit just wants to breathe life into those dreams. Not just for ourselves, but dreams so that we can see ourselves give it away. Because, I mean, we talk a lot about, like, live for your dreams, do what makes you feel good. doesn't matter if you don't have a job, just go after it all. But it's like, okay, that's great, but actually, you've got a dream in you that's bigger than who you are. Because you've got a message inside you that's bigger than who you are, because that message is for other people. And I, just, I was reminded of this verse in um, 1 Kings 18.44, the story about like when Elijah goes and kills the prophet of Baal and afterwards, because he goes up to Ahab, the evil king beforehand, and says, like, um, rain is coming. And it's been a, it's been a proper drought. Eh? Forget, like, level six water, um, water restrictions. This is proper, eh? It says... Uh, Elijah went to show himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe. <coughs> and he goes and then they have this whole standoff with the prophet of Baal. And then he says to Sir, once, once he's defeated the prophet of Baal, he says, rain's coming. And he says to Ahab, go back because the rain's coming. And then he sends his servants to go and um, go and look for, say, go and look, the rain's coming. That's a powerful story, guys. I'll finish now. Um, Elijah said to Ahab, this is 1 Kings 18.41, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of the rushing of rain. I feel like God's just saying that for some of us. Sounds of rushing of rain for you guys, for us. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. Elijah came to the top of the mount. He bowed himself down on the earth. He put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There's nothing. And he said, Go again, seven times. And at the seventh time he said, Behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is rising from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stop you. And in a little while the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Jeez, that's proper speed. <laughs> But I love it. He says, go, go again. There's nothing. Go again. There's nothing. Go again. There's nothing. Go again. Go again. Seven times. And at the seventh time, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. And I feel for some of us, God is saying, go again. Yeah, but I've gone like three times. I've gone like five times. Go again. Because it might just look like a cloud the size of a man's hand. But there's something where God said... There's a sound of rushing rain coming. There's something about being a people who say, we'll seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will follow. We'll seek first. We'll look for it. We'll look for it one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And then on the seventh time you see something, say, God's doing it. And I feel like He's just giving us eyes of faith. about the constant pursuit of what God's doing. Seek first the kingdom. Actively look for where the kingdom is breaking in as a matter of first importance. As the Passion Translation says, above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from Him. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. 
And I feel like there's just something where God's saying, I've spoken something in you. You can trust me with your dreams. You can trust me with the kingdom promises. Is this thing still on? So I'm sure. I always feel like the projector's being cocky because I, I name a signal. It's like, no, it's no signal. No, no, X. No signal. It's like, um, so, sort it of outside my house this week. And I just felt like I was just saying, there's a banner of hope. There's a banner of promise over our lives. And I'll just end with this. Bill Johnson says a, an amazing quote. He says, all kingdom issues are heart issues. And Proverbs 4.23 says, above all, God your heart. For there, or from it, from the first, from flow the issues of life, from it flow the streams of life. Above all else, God your heart, or watch your heart with great vigilance, for from it flow the issues of life. And there's something where, you know, he just calls us back to that place of don't forsake me, the fountain of living waters. Because he's the source of the rivers of life. And when your heart gets sick, you can just dwell in a place of disappointment. But what does it say? Hope the food makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfills the tree of life. And what does the tree do? The tree holds the grass. The tree, an amazing tree, produces fruit for others to come and eat, eat, eat of. Shade for others to come and sit under. So you either live in that place of disappointment, where your heart is sick, all your longings are fulfilled and you become a tree of life for others. And I feel like God is saying, you can trust me with your dreams. Trust me with your heart. Because from it, but it's from life. So, yeah, I just, I just feel like that's a banner of hope for us. So, Lord, we just want to thank you for your presence. And I just want to invite you guys to stand under that banner of hope. I just feel like I just want to be a person who lives from the place where the streams of living water flow from within me. So, Father, I just want to declare that hope will arise in our hearts this morning. this verse over you guys as a prophetic declaration. Romans 15.13 May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope.